0: biggest needle mover is refined post-click experiences. So we are going broader with like how we're serving ads. So it only makes sense that we're doing that in ads as well as like how we're serving them. But what would often happen is like people would hit a website and get like absolute choice paralysis. I'm so lazy if I'm shopping online. It's like, I'm not gonna go dig through your website to find the random product that like brought me in. It's about the post-click. It's about how you're funneling people through to the checkout, keeping the appearance up of choice on the post-click side. I think of it as an upside-down triangle, like you start so broad, and then you just slowly like dwindle them down to like, this is your decision. You came to it, wink, wink. But (laughs) we helped you get there.
1: It's all killer, no filler. I'm Eric. I'm here with Cam and Avery for a last-minute edition of All Killer No Filler. We had uh, an episode planned, and it fell through, and my thoughts just went, I wonder what Avery's cooking up over there on the creative side. Avery, welcome to All Killer No Filler. How you doing?
0: Yeah, thanks. I'm always chefing, so I'm happy to be here. Happy to talk about the uh, what I'm serving. Yeah.
1: What are you serving up these days on the creative <laughs> side? Yeah, you
0: get it? Serving looks, serving creative, serving Amazing. performance, serving it all. Um, serving this, like... Um, sort of like I feel like it's a movement that I'm sort of starting, trickling it through different clients, but this movement towards um, broadening up my ads, so broadening up um, sort of like skew selection in the pre-click side of things and then partnering that with like a really refined post-click experience and seeing like a ton of great promising performance out of it.
1: Now, say that for a noob. You're showing your customers more things to let them know more about what they might want to buy in the ad, essentially.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it feels very, like, intuitive almost. Because if you think about how we shop in real life, you typically walk past a store and they don't show you one thing. Like, maybe an Apple store. Maybe. Even then, like, they'll probably show you, like... A couple of different types of products so it's like if you think about how you actually shop you're not looking at like one thing you're looking at many different things that you might like and there's tons of products and I have tons of clients where like their products are so subjective to your taste that it's like the odds especially like post iOS 14 the odds of me hitting someone with an ad with the exact right like Color variant skew that they're looking for are just getting slimmer and slimmer. So, figuring out how to show people, like, we have a lot of stuff, it's really cool. Come check it out because there's also more has been like. Yeah, a bit of a game changer on a couple of accounts that I work
1: with it's super interesting it takes me back to my like affiliate marketing days and it was the it was a campaign I worked for an affiliate marketing network and I was uh, running ads for offers that were on the network and one of the ads was called bids.com which was a jewelry retailer and they had all these beautiful shots of rings and flowers and things like that but I was just like I just think people just want to there's so many bright looking cool rings like let's just put them on a grid on a white background you know with with a little bit of detail about their pricing or whatever and just like and I think I invented that like like that wasn't, you know, that's what all retargeting ads look like now. That's what all carousel ads look like now. Like just products in a matrix kind of thing. But that worked 10 times better than showing a single product way back in the day. So it's cool to hear that that's still a trend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like doing it in a different way. Cause one thing I find with like DPA ads is that's not something that's in my control as a marketer, which freaks me out. Like, um, yeah, you don't really know like what, is driving that performance. But if you figure out how to like get that same energy of like featuring a lot of products in a very simple way into creative that you have built, then all that stuff comes back into your control. So you can start testing iterations, you can start testing mixes of products, whatever copy you're slapping on there. It like just yeah, gives you back that control.
2: What's the conversation that you have with your media buyer when you you're talking about go broad? You know, we've been talking about going broad for some time now, but I think like when we use the word broad, we've been thinking more about the actual campaign setup and the targeting and the audience that you know Facebook is serving impressions to and how the algorithm actually works. But you're talking about go broad from like a creative strategy and product perspective. How do you prevent yourself from going too thin or or going too broad from a creative perspective?
0: Yeah, this is definitely like. Being honest and transparent, it's like something pre-click I thought about before, where I was like, "Let's do this. It makes sense. It's just intuitive." And the um, biggest needle mover is the like second half of this conversation, which is refined post-click experiences. So something that I found happened initially when I was talking to buyers, and it was like, "We are going broader with like how we're serving ads." So it only to me, in my little coconut head, makes sense that we're doing that in ads as well as, like, how we're serving them. Um, But what would often happen is, like, people would hit a website and get, like, absolute choice paralysis. So what happened the first few times I tested this and only had, like, ads built out and then ran them to pages that weren't, like, meant to back these up is, like, bounce rate would be high because you'll see something in an ad, you just get to the homepage. I'm like this. I'm so lazy if I'm shopping online. It's like, I'm not going to go dig through your website to find the random product that like brought me in. Um, so I think that like conversation I had with buyers initially was like, okay, let's do this because we're matching this. And then it became like, well, how do we actually make this perform? Because we're seeing strong like click-through rates on these type of ads, but they're not converting as well as they're sort of like more product specific ads and then that's when I came to this like aha moment of like it's about the post click it's about how you're funneling people through to the checkout and like keeping the appearance up of choice on the post click side but really like I think of it as an upside down triangle like you start so broad and then you just slowly like dwindle them down to like this is your decision you came to it wink wink but (laughs) we helped you get there
1: how do you have to have the the like the products that were on the creative then visible on the landing page for that, or is it, or does it just become you know you start with broad but then you go to your hero product for instance on the on the PDP?
0: Yeah, usually like I'll run these types of ads to collection style pages or like insane that I feel like are kind of my trademark, but advertorials that just talk about like the brand and it's like this brand I love it it makes me feel good I have like two or three of their products these are them I like them and like. Yeah, just broadening things up. I never really run, I don't see success with these type of ads running like straight to a PDP. It's when you kind of intervene and you put together like a listicle as well is really great if you're willing to go scrappy. Something that does feature choice for a user, but not as much as the actual just like side experience, if that makes sense.
1: Very cool. Yeah, you're describing a funnel there. But it's really, it's actually like a lot of people build their funnel with a lot of narrow product interest at the top. But I, I like that because it, it really lends itself to the widening out of the funnel. Let's creates more potential touch points with more people uh, and then funnels them into what's going to convert.
2: Love it. Maybe, dumb question. Can you clarify for me, though? Like, for, for content, are you talking about actually creating a bunch of different unique ads that feature different products? And, like, because that reminds me somewhat of, of pilot testing where you're changing creative, you know, parameters, in this case, product parameters, different products, different color variants, whatever it may be. Or are you saying, like, actually just smush them all together in single ads and, like, it's so much choice in a single image or video? Like a movie poster with Robert yeah. Downey Jr. painting this way and, like, <laughs> you know. Literally, yeah. Yeah. So it's the latter.
0: Yeah, that's what I do. Just so I like it, it. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just smooshing as much in as possible. And sometimes like I'll look at something and be like, That's nuts. That's so much stuff. But it stops the scroll because we're so used to seeing like someone holding one product in a very aspirational way, but just like editing things in or making sure that you have photography that's just like it's a bunch of stuff and it's cool.
2: Maximalism. It, yeah. It's making well. a comeback. Yeah,
1: it makes me, you guys are both too young for this, but before, in, in, uh, in, What's it called? Wheel of Fortune. Before you just win those big prizes for solving thing, they used to have this option to like go through their like prize portal. And you would it would be this camera that would be like ghosting over all these amazing things in this one big room. And I I, I wonder if you could like use AI. And that'd be my next question. How are you using AI to, to smush these images together? But it'd be interesting to like actually create like a spatial animation where you were like showcase showdowning your like your products through through one space.
0: Yeah. I feel like I, what I do to like feature more products is, it's kind of like boring, but it's a lot of just like grids or like multi-frames. It's a lot of like, um, cause before I would like think about a, like a static style being a multi-frame and I'd just be like, okay, well I'll show the same product. I'll show off different features, but instead now I'm just like, I'll put a collection image as the big one. And then I'll like put two top sellers, like recognizable products as the sort of smaller ones, um, that type of thing. And yeah, AI has been great too for just like manipulating already existing assets. um, So like photography and stuff and just kind of like smushing them all together when possible, really
2: helpful. And and could you talk about copy? Like what what seems to be working better for ad copy and headline?
0: Yeah, typically um, very just, generic brand copy which isn't really a surprise to me but really yeah anything that's very like top of funnel just generic sort of about the about the brand we have seen like i have a couple like outliers where what is working is like specific like classic product call outs um but those are usually cases where like that copy has been winning on a larger account for like a year and it's kind of tough to beat but yeah trying it with just product copy and when i do this too it's Typically, there's like a bit of a method to the madness where like if you're able to uh, like categorize a type of product that you have. So like, Eric, you were mentioning jewelry earlier, like rings, necklaces, that type of thing Um, that helps with the copy situation a lot. But again, like I think a lot of products are just so subjective that being broad even in the copy is kind of also the way to go.
1: It's almost like an invitation to your brand in a way, right? By showcasing more of your products, you're letting people more, like you're just showing them instantly like what you're all about. And then that's why I love your, your shout out that the, your, a landing page that you like to throw in there is was the, was in the founder story, but it was the pre-sale, the brand story sort of pre-sale page because that's like another, hey, you've kind of seen what we have to offer now hear about us. And then by the time they're through that, they're probably a lot more likely to buy or, or to be interested in, in supporting the brand or being part of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you can mention like, um, through like an advertorial or just a pre-sale page like that, like you can break it down and mention different like products as well. That was like a mindset I had to break myself out of. Like I was like, yeah, advertorials are like so specific to one product. It's a very like niche type of page. But then I was like, that's nobody wrote that rule down like I didn't get that (laughs) like I don't know no one's ever told me that I don't know why that was my assumption but I think that's most people's assumptions but you can definitely like pivot those pages just to instead of focusing on one product or service like taking a step back and just doing the same thing but for the brand
1: including more products even just that idea of your grid that has not just individual products, but collections in one of the grid pieces, right? You can just stack more and more, more things in there. It makes me think of it makes me think of those AI images that everyone does, which are like what you lay out before a trip. And I think those, like all the different things of like what fits in your bag, would be interesting to uh, to think about interesting spatial ways to kind of show your product in an image. This episode is brought to you by Live Recover an incredibly effective Shopify app that gives you access to an expert team of live agents who work on behalf of your brand to recover abandoned checkouts in real time. LiveRecover is able to reach six times more potential customers than email or SMS automations because they have actual humans sending personally crafted messages to anyone who leaves their phone number at checkout. LiveRecover doesn't conflict with your email and SMS tools like Klaviyo or Voyage SMS and can lift your top line revenue by over 10%. Check them out and get a 30-day no-risk trial when you sign up at liverecover.com slash DTC. Any other questions you have, Cam?
2: Uh, I was gonna say, it just I guess related to my other question, you're talking about more is more. Uh, are you always doing different products or are you doing same product, different variant, or both?
0: Yeah, typically both. I mean, it depends. I have so many different accounts. like. A lot of my accounts, I have a couple of products that I just, like, know putting that product in an ad is going to get a click. It's just, like, a nice-looking thing that <laughs> is for sale. So, typically, I try to, like, um, anchor most of them down with a top performer. So, it's, like, there's something really snazzy on there that I already know from a ton of asset testing and a ton of, like, product-focused testing. Um, there's something in each of those ads that I know just works. So there's like a color variant or a skew that I've like, we've previously identified as sort of like our top performer or just like our top product to show in ads. So again, sort of like just adding methodology to like the madness of maximalism is anchoring down um, creative with that that product that you know people like and people will click on. I think too, also one thing I was gonna add is it's a lot easier in video. Video content is, So yeah, where this gets a bit easier, I see performance from both static and video, but yeah, I think for sure video content makes it a bit easier, especially like UGC. You're able to just show products and hold up a bunch of things and say, I bought all of these. Um, And even that is super simple. And typically when I'm going that route too, again, like the leading product, the thing that you see in the hook is what we've already identified as being a winner. So like there is a lot of intention and data behind this so it's like you do a bunch of testing and then you just go like wild (laughs) once you've like identified that winner then you can like start yeah putting this into place and going a bit wacky
1: and UGC is specifically just literally a haul or something here are the five different shoes that I really like from this brand or whatever
0: yeah like when I again just think about like how I actually shop online it's like seeing someone do a haul or what kind of like inspired this type of content was I've seen girls make wish list content on TikTok and it was like really driving they were not ads it was organic content but it was driving me to make a lot of like absurd purchases but they were just like literally a slideshow of like these are the like five things in my basket right now and I was like you could do that from a paid point of view it's kind of like what what inspired this uh this mission
1: is there, like, I, these are multi-skew brands, I assume. Is there a number of skews you need before you start sort of considering this strategy?
0: I would say, like, I'll see stuff with, like, especially when you think about pages, because pages is kind of where it, like, matters. If you have at least, like, five, because five feels like a nice, healthy listicle or collection-style page or, like, an interesting editorial where there's, like, variation. So five sort of different products is, I feel like, a good number. Like, if I land on a page um, from an ad that has a bunch of, like, stuff in it and then there's actually only two products i'm probably gonna bounce but five is like especially so much traffic is mobile five is like a nice amount to scroll and i'd also previously seen just like five products work really well like here are our top five bestsellers so that was working before I was, like, actively trying this strategy. So it was another, like, just convergence of things going well that I was like, well, might as well try that here too.
1: And is it just a matter of then just you see – like, do you have anything – you're obviously seeing some success across the accounts. You see it on one account. You're printing it to the other ones that are applicable. What, like, what sort of uptick are you seeing with this kind of strategy? It just It's just working better? Is that what you'd say?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to put, like, a exact – Number on it, but it's definitely working better and it's working so well that it's just becoming evergreen content strategy. And I think, too, like it does help sort of take away some of the like most stress of having one hero product and like one campaign that works really well and a couple creatives around that product when you start broadening out like this. Um, I think it sort of helps to like keep things a bit more like future proof and you feel a bit safer like testing new stuff in different places and trying to find new products that will perform just as well as your top performing ones when you have like these campaigns set up that are fully focused on just like the brand and 10 SKUs.
1: Any uh, any other trends you're you're jumping on in the in the TikTok or, or socials world? Has anyone come up with a Pine Grove Shuffle ad yet, or, th- or would that be too sacrosanct because it's too depressing to put to commercialize?
0: No, I've seen that yet. I don't know what I've been seeing trend wise. Um, yeah, I think this one's weird. But like, I've been trying to convince a couple of my clients to like get an outfit, like get a mascot. It's kind of a Duolingo type of thing, like seeing it pop up with different verticals in different companies, but getting a silly costume for TikTok, I feel like is the move right now. If you have someone in your office who will like put on a mascot outfit, take advantage of that.
1: That's a great shout. It fits with Cam's shout out of the maximalist branding. Like this, this might be the new era of the mascot.
2: Why not? Weird and wacky. Yeah. What about, um, you talked about your, your like two triangles or whatever, your two pyramids facing one another. What about the up, What about the bottom side? I'd be curious to talk about, you, you're you talking about sending tr- um, traffic to collection pages. Is there any like absolute must do's when it comes to page traffic? Like is there any hero content that's consistent across pages that you're running to? Is there any kind of copy or the communication that you're trying to land every single time? Curious to, to, to see what you guys are doing.
0: Yeah, I think, um, strong headlines. I mean when I look at like heat maps and stuff, oftentimes people get it to like get to like the second or third product. So stacking, like if you're putting together a listicle or a collection page, making sure those like top performing products that people are just more likely to purchase are further up. Um and I would say probably like one thing that Sounds really silly, but one thing I'm seeing work well across accounts is emojis in headlines on pages, especially, like, mobile <laughs> versions. I'll do, like, two emojis on either side. It is the era of emojis. I guess
2: brand's, like, hating that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Every, like, single very polished brand right now is, like, we're not doing yeah. that. But, yeah, I think it's just a bit more, like, organic and kind of friendly and familiar, especially if we're talking about, like, um, I mean, this is something I'm seeing work on socials, but TikTok as well, like, if you're doing instant pages... I think emojis and the like headlines are a must, (laughs) probably on TikTok instant pages because it just goes with the the vibe of the content.
2: It makes me think of um, like I would imagine this works really well for like apparel, lifestyle, jewelry, some of these like product categories. But it makes me think of Tropic Fuel, like, you know, related to Vessi waterproof shoes that have, like, some form of, like, a technical aspect of the product where there's, like, a layer of education or information that you need to give people post-click. Are you doing that with any kind of um, products that have more advanced, like, USPs that aren't in that, like, lifestyle category?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I have one product that's, like, pretty technical and specific. Um, So we do still do a lot of that, like information loading on the post-click side but one thing I've found and that one's a really interesting one too because we're sort of expanding to new people people who aren't necessarily in that niche um and so what I usually do when I'm like I don't overload people with information so the funnel is usually like crazy busy like general ad and you come to this page that has like typically our top two SKUs or the first two items that you see Um, and then usually you go to the PDP after that but what I try to do in that middle like I control it landing page um, listicle space is like in the product description I usually like highlight pain points I feel like that's a nice quick tip like highlighting pain points instead of necessarily like the highly technical things about the products because typically like I don't care about the microfibers in the material that it's made out of. Is it going to keep me dry? Yes or no. So it's like giving people that visceral feeling of like, uh, doesn't it suck when you get like stuck in the rain and your shoes get wet? Instead of like overloading them with like this highly technical information that just in my experience, like nobody knows what it means and they also don't care. It's just like, what is the pain point? Agitate it and then be like, we'll solve it. And then the PDP usually will include like for those highly technical products all that information, so it's like it's still available to them through that like second step, but it's not what I lead with.
1: People want a quarter inch drill hole, not a quarter inch drill bit. Uh, and I think that's a natural great, funnel uh, makes sense. Great piece to finish on there. Nice. Anything you're doing with AI, Avery? Uh, interesting there.
0: Yeah, I use AI a lot, so I um, work a lot, so I use it to just like sort of make myself. Um, make my own day easier is what I usually find I use it for. So I use it for, um, I'm a big like fan of good copy. So I use it to like kind of get rid of that like scary blank page moment for myself. And then I dive into what it has given me um, and sort of tweak it and make it a bit more like totally aligned with whatever the client is. But it's helped me kind of like, I used to sit in front of like a Google Docs, document for like 20 minutes and you're just like nervous to go in and start writing so it like has completely kind of removed that step in my process of like blank page anxiety um and then I've been using a lot with sort of our creative team um to like expand or like I mentioned before like add assets together like pre-existing assets so it's kind of taken away this like dependency I had on clients to like shoot new content there's still definitely like I'm old-fashioned an old person like I do love like actual photography but it does like close a lot of the gaps and like really minute changes that I would want or like if I don't have a picture of these four products together we can now like create that um which is really cool
1: nice well we'll have to get you back on again soon hear what else you're cooking up but I think this was uh, really valuable for everyone so uh thanks for doing it cool yeah happy to be here Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not getting the DTC newsletter, you can subscribe for free at directtoconsumer.co. And if you want to learn more about Pilot House's all-killer no-filler services, take off to pilothouse.co. I'm Eric Dick and this has been the DTC podcast. We'll see you next time.